Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In today's brief, we'll talk about Bavovna on the Kerch Strait Bridge, tens of thousands of missing limbs, and the UN finally saying something about all the Russian attacks on civilians. I'm Yulia, and today is Sunday, August 13, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, GSAFU, reported that on August 11th, Russian forces lost 580 personnel, 18 UAVs, those are drones, 15 artillery systems, 12 tanks, and 15 armored fighting vehicles, AFVs. In the Eastern Theater of Operations, Ukrainian forces are holding back Russian offensive efforts in the Liman and Kupinsk direction, along the borders of the Luhansk, Donetsk, and Kharkiv oblasts, according to Deputy Defense Minister Hanna Malyar. Malyar also reported unsuccessful Russian attacks near Klishchiivka and in the Avdiivka and Marienka directions in Donetsk oblast, stating that Ukrainian defenses remain, quote, impregnable, end quote. Ukrainian troops continued offensive actions south of Bakhmut, solidifying their newly achieved positions. In the southern theater of operations, eight Russian ammunition stores and a Russian command post were reportedly destroyed on the Tavria front on August 9th. Ukrainian forces have reportedly penetrated Russian defensive lines around Robotina and had notable success in the area of Urozhaina and Priyutne near Staromayorske on the border between Donetsk and Zaporizhzhia oblasts. And there are preliminary reports that settlements in the area have been liberated. Moving on to the home front. Another accomplice of Viktor Medvedchuk has been sentenced to prison. Medvedchuk is a pro-Russian businessman who was preparing a coup d'etat in Ukraine at the beginning of the full-scale invasion, but was obviously unsuccessful. Russian president dictator Vladimir Putin is Medvedchuk's daughter's godfather. A pro-Russian former city council deputy in Zhmarenka, in Vinnytsia Oblast, was arrested for organizing a contract killing targeting another council member, according to security forces on August 10th. Volunteers in a western Ukrainian city have been assembling drones from Chinese spare parts, with each so-called bird capable of carrying up to 1.5 kilograms of explosives and costing about 400 U.S. dollars. The volunteers reported that, quote, even a schoolboy with soldiering skills can assemble such a drone after a short period of training, end quote. Most of the volunteers were members of the city's cultural community, entrepreneurs, and IT professionals. None had any prior experience assembling drones. Between 20 to 50,000 Ukrainians have had limbs amputated due to the full-scale invasion, according to a new report from the Wall Street Journal. For reference, approximately 41,000 British soldiers and civilians had limb amputations during World War II, while 2,000 U.S. veterans from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars underwent amputations. Ukrainian officials stated that Kharkiv Oblast military administration is considering mandating evacuation from 53 settlements near hostilities in the Kupiansk district, starting with children due to intense shelling. 
A residential area in the city of Zaporizhia was struck on August 9th, with preliminary reports indicating Iskander missiles were used. Three people were killed, and the Church of the Holy Apostles Peter and Paul of the Orthodox Church of Ukraine was damaged. The Reichardt's Hotel was hit in the city on August 10th, killing one, injuring 16, and causing a fire to break out. The United Nations Humanitarian Coordinator for Ukraine, Denise Brown, condemned the strike on the hotel, calling on Russia to comply with its obligations under international humanitarian law and to stop indiscriminate attacks on Ukraine, quote, in the name of humanity, end quote. UN representatives have regularly stayed at the hotel during trips to Ukraine. Russian attacks on Donetsk Oblast on August 9th killed three and wounded four, and Russian shelling of Bilozerka in Kherson Oblast injured six civilians who were receiving humanitarian aid. Attacks with mortars and aerial bombs on Toretsk on August 10th injured six more civilians. A Ukrainian oil depot was hit by Russian drones in Rivne Oblast overnight on August 9th to 10th. Four KH-47 Kinjal ballistic missiles were launched from four Russian MiG-31K aircraft on the morning of August 11th, targeting the area of the Kolomlya airfield in the Ivano-Frankivsk region. One missile was intercepted. Two struck civilian infrastructure near the airfield, and the fourth hit a residential area. A child was killed and several people were injured. Missile debris landed in Kyiv on the property of a children's hospital in the city. No casualties or damage were reported. While Russian Children's Rights Commissioner and alleged war criminal Maria Lvova-Bilova claims that 700,000 Ukrainian children have been deported to Russia since the start of the full-scale invasion, Ukrainian Deputy Prime Minister and Minister for Reintegration of Temporarily Occupied Territories Irina Voroshchuk cast doubt on the claim. Voroshchuk said that there is information about 20,000 children who were kidnapped, but likely more have been taken. Only 380 children have been returned. A report published by a coalition of Ukrainian and international institutions noted that between February 24, 2022 and July 14, 2023, the Ukrainian healthcare system has suffered on average two attacks per day. In a total of 1,014 attacks on hospitals, medical workers, and healthcare infrastructure, at least 148 medical workers have been killed and 106 wounded in that time. In November 2023, a team of American plastic surgeons will perform free reconstructive surgery in Lviv for Ukrainian civilians and military personnel who have suffered facial and neck injuries, according to the Lviv City Council. The initiative is part of the face-to-face -face project, which has previously operated on 50 patients and consulted another 80. Next up, temporarily occupied territories. The Russian Ministry of Defense, MOD, reported that 11 Ukrainian drones were launched at Sevastopol in occupied Crimea overnight on August 9th to 10th, noting that two were shot down and the remaining UAVs were brought down by electronic warfare systems. The Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in occupied Enerhodar in Zaporizhia Oblast reportedly lost power to its main 700-kilowatt power line on August 10th and had to be connected to the 330-kilowatt backup line. If the backup line were to fail, it would put the ZNPP, Europe's largest nuclear power plant, in danger of a blackout. Some assessment the international community has made clear to Russia that the use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine would be a big mistake. 
And to be perfectly honest, Russia hasn't done a great job of maintaining the weapons they have, so the risk of the nuclear-armed munition accidentally detonating on Russian territory is not zero. An accident due to negligence at the ZNPP seems a more likely nuclear scenario, especially when any of the reactors have been taken out of cold shutdown. The Russian MOD reported that occupied Crimea was attacked by 20 drones on August 11th to 12th, noting that all of 20 were repelled. Only 16 of the drones were accounted for in the report, however, so maybe math isn't a strong suit. Sergei Aksyonov, Kremlin-appointed head of occupied Crimea, reported that Ukrainian forces had made a, quote, attempt to attack, end quote, the Kerch Strait Bridge, posting photos to social media of smoke rising over the bridge. Russian propagandists reported multiple explosions were heard, alleging them to be the work of air defense and the smoke to be the result of smoke screens. Traffic has once again been stopped on the bridge, however, and photos indicate that at least a few of the explosions were not smoke screens. A powerful explosion was also reported in the port area of occupied Berdyansk on August 12th. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Speaking of blowing smoke, let's talk about the Russian Federation and effectively occupied Belarus. The Zagorsk Optical Mechanical Plant in Moscow, where an explosion happened on August 9th, reportedly participated in the development of a next-generation stealth bomber, according to Russian media outlet Agentstva. 43 people were injured, 4 buildings were completely destroyed, and another 20 buildings were damaged. 83 explosions were reported in Russia in 2022, the largest number of explosions in the last 10 years, injuring a record number of people. According to the Russian Ministry of Emergency Situations, quote, the most common cause of explosions in 2022 was an explosive device, bomb, rocket, mine, grenade, accounting for 55 out of 83 cases. The increase is directly related to hostilities in Ukraine, end quote. Well, at least they didn't lie here. A fire broke out in a military facility in the Russian city of Georgievsk in Stavropol Krai. The 300-square-meter facility was reportedly a clothes warehouse. Right. According to the Institute for the Study of War, ISW, Russian authorities are hoping to nationalize Russian-owned internet search engine Yandex in order to better control the information space leading up to the 2024 presidential election. A week after Ukrainian security services warning, the Ministry of Emergency Situations of Belarus announced that a fire broke out at the Mazar oil refinery in Belarus. The United States and Canada both announced new sanctions against Belarus on August 9. 
the U.S. Treasury Department targeted eight individuals and five entities, including Belarusian state airlines, while Canada targeted nine individuals and seven entities for their complicity in the Belarusian regime's domestic oppression and support for the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The 6th Separate Guards Mechanized Brigade of the Belarusian Armed Forces will be conducting exercises near the border with Poland and Lithuania, according to Belarusian MOD. British intelligence posits that the exercises are likely part of the Belarusian military's routine training cycle and not an indication that they are in any way combat-ready. Oh, but what about those videos of Belarusian military men dragging cars and blowing red and green smoke off of their roofs? Not combat prep? Huh. Russia is almost certainly, however, hoping to promote Belarusian forces as a credible threat to NATO. Next up, European news. Polish Minister of Defense Mariusz Blaszczak reported that the number of troops on the border with Belarus will be increased by several thousand in order to deter potential aggression from the country. German authorities arrested an officer of the military procurement agency, quote, who is strongly suspected of having worked for a foreign secret service, end quote. To be clear, the secret service alleged to have been involved is Russia's. Now let's talk about the news worldwide. A CNN poll appeared to indicate that most Americans oppose Congress providing additional funding to Ukraine, which was downplayed by the White House ahead of the Biden administration's request for more aid. U.S. National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications John Kirby stated that he sees no evidence that Americans' support for military aid to Ukraine is waning, saying, quote, We have seen throughout this war solid support from the American people, solid support from the Congress in a bipartisan and bicameral way for continuing to support Ukraine, and we're going to stay focused on that, end quote. The Biden administration submitted a request to Congress for the allocation of more than 22 billion U.S. dollars in additional support for Ukraine by the end of 2023. The request includes more than 13 billion U.S. dollars in military aid and 8 billion U.S. dollars in humanitarian support. When asked if U.S. aid to Ukraine will change if Donald Trump is elected president, Spokesman for the U.S. Department of State Matthew Miller said that support for Ukraine and bilateral security guarantees between the two nations will be enshrined in bilateral agreements that will remain valid regardless of who the president of the U.S. is. Miller also made clear that, quote, Ukraine is in the driver's seat when it comes to deciding the future of Ukraine, and that is true with respect to any potential negotiations, end quote stating that it's not up to the U.S. or any other country to organize a meeting between Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and Russian President Putin. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitro Kuleba told Italian media publication Corriere della Sera that Ukraine is no longer willing to negotiate directly with Putin. Quote, The crimes committed since the beginning of the aggression against our country are too grave for us to sit at the same table. We absolutely do not trust him. However, mediation by third parties is possible, provided that the Russians are ready to withdraw. End quote. Finally, let's talk military tech. Ukraine has begun to develop underwater attack drones, basically guided torpedoes. The Toloka project involves the development of three versions of underwater drones. The TLK-150 is the smallest, with a 20 to 50 kilogram warhead and a range of 100 kilometers. It uses GPS for its guidance system, 
and inertial navigation in the event of GPS jamming. The TLK-400 has a 500kg warhead and a range of 1,200 km, and the largest version, the TLK-1000, has 5 tons of explosives in capacity and a range of 2,000 km. CNN reported citing an unnamed Ukrainian official that Ukraine has submitted a report to the Pentagon on its use of U.S. cluster munitions on the battlefield. The data provided to the U.S. Department of Defense includes the number of rounds fired and the number of Russian targets destroyed. But the official reportedly declined to share the data with CNN. In an interview with the Washington Post, Polish President Andrzej Duda stated that the amount of weapons Ukraine has now is insufficient to change the balance of the war in its favor, noting that Ukraine has a more modern military than Russia thanks to the aid of international partners. But it's not enough. Illustrating Duda's point, Ukrainian, European and U.S. officials and military personnel speaking on the condition of anonymity report that the first group of Ukrainian pilots will not complete their training on U.S.-made F-16 fighter jets until summer 2024, with some officials noting that only six pilots would be included in the first round of training. As Ricky Ricardo would say, someone's got some splaining to do. In assessing the Ukrainian counteroffensive, Pentagon Press Secretary U.S. Brigadier General Pat Ryder said, quote, Let's take a step back and admit that this is not an ideal situation. No one in their right mind would ever want Russia to invade Ukraine, but it did happen. The Ukrainians, despite everything, were able to push the Russians back to defensive positions, which is a miracle given the state of the Ukrainian army at the time of the Russian invasion so these are outstanding results in a less-than-ideal situation. In the future, we will continue to consult with them and provide them with training so that they can regain their sovereign territory and eventually win this struggle." End quote. Brigadier General Ryder announced on August 10 that the U.S. plans to increase the production of NATO standard 155mm shells, which has become critical for Ukrainian forces as they utilize more and more artillery systems provided by the West. The U.S. currently manufactures around 24,000 rounds of 155mm ammunition per month and will increase production to 80,000 rounds per month. Members of the German Bundestag have called on the government and Chancellor Olaf Scholz to provide Ukraine with Taurus long-range cruise missiles as soon as possible. While some German lawmakers have argued that the discussion of Taurus missiles will lead to Russian escalation, Others respond that Russia is escalating the conflict regardless. I say that Russia has zero ability to escalate any further. The Netherlands has donated six mobile medical complexes, according to Ukraine's State Border Guard Service. The complexes enable the Border Guard Service to set up NATO standard medical and evacuation support with medics able to deploy a full-fledged field hospital with its own operating room, pre-op, laboratory, and equipment sterilization. 900 Ukrainian Marines have completed training in the UK, practicing amphibious operations and beach raids, according to the British MOD. The Marines were trained by the Royal Marines and British Commandos in a program lasting six months. And that's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. 
And please, consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We will be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, murnoho vam neba.